0: Father, thank you for the Word of God. Minister it in our to um, our hearts we 're trusting you um, that you 'll do the work through the Word of God by the power of the holy Spirit so we 'll study it this morning. We pray in jesus name let 's read the first eleven verses. Read along with me. We use the new American standard here, but those of you who use the NIV are welcome to participate. <laughs> No, New American Standard is what we use here. 2 Peter 1, 1. Simon Peter, bondservant of the apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, your moral excellence, knowledge, Your knowledge, self-control. Your self-control, perseverance. Your perseverance, godliness. And your godliness, brotherly kindness. And your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins, Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain his calling and choosing for you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. New series in Second Peter. Three chapters, and there's three main uh, themes that run through this book. First theme is that he wants, he's written this letter so that they might grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And having grown in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they might stand against the false teachers that were troubling them as they wait for the second coming of Christ. So growing in grace of knowledge, confronting and standing firm against uh, false teachers, and looking forward to the second coming of Christ. This morning we're going to take first half of chapter one and it deals with growing in the knowledge and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now probably in this group that we have here this morning there might be some who have suffered a reversal in their Christian life, a lapse in their Christian life. Notice what he says in verse 10. He talks about stumbling, not stumbling. That doesn't mean you said a bad word or maybe had um, an argument with your wife. What he's talking about is a major pause in your Christian life, uh, kind of a disaster in your Christian life. And he writes here that I am going to tell you something that you will never, that will never happen to you. Or if it has happened to you, it won't happen again. So uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. (laughs) That's not what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is try from this text to speak to you by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might never stumble. We might not have a lapse, uh, a time when you think, am I even a Christian? You feel useless, unfruitful. You don't have to have that happen. Peter's going to help us with that. So let's take a look. Three major thoughts in these first 11 verses. The first uh, idea is found in verses 1 through 4 where he talks about four theological insights or thoughts. Four theological thoughts. Now, this he's going to lay a base. He's going to say something from which he is going to help us and give us instructions on how not to stumble But these ideas just aren't kind of floating around. They're rooted and grounded in four important theological thoughts. So let's take a look at them. Verse 1. Verse 1. His readers have received a faith of the same kind of his. Those who he is writing with are brothers and sisters in the Lord. They have the same kind of faith that Peter has. And that faith came. Notice where it came from. It came from the righteousness of God and Jesus Christ, based on the righteousness of God, that he was sinless, and that he died for our sins, and that he resurrected on the third day, they now have faith. They have this faith, but it's rooted and grounded in what Jesus has done. Okay, now, I want you to take your pencil, if you have one, and underline that phrase that says, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why well, I want you to underline this, a very important thing that Peter is saying, and he's using a grammatical form of Greek to say something very, very important. This is called Granville Sharp. Granville Sharp, and I think that's related to the guy who discovered this. And what he's saying here, this Granville Sharp, this Greek word, um, um, this Greek uh, kind of, uh, how can I say, rule, or gram- grammatical rule, says that if you have two nouns that are joined together with an and, which is the Greek word chi, they're in the same um, form, and they have only one article, and probably that's uh, going in too much to it. But that form, when they have those two nouns joined together that way, the second noun is really describing, giving further illustration of the first. So what he's saying is here, We have this same faith that has come through the righteousness of God, who is Jesus Christ. God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. And that's why we have that faith. That's why his death was so important. Because Jesus wasn't just a sinless man. He was God. Now, Peter is making this statement, and you can't get away from it. He's using a Greek grammatical form that's stating exactly that Jesus is God. Then he even accentuates that, for in verse 2, he says he uses the very same form again. He's saying, We have come to have this faith through the righteousness of God, who is Jesus Christ. Very important. Very important statement. Okay, that's the first theological thought. The second is found in verse two. This knowledge brings grace and peace into our life. Because we have this knowledge, we have now grace, unmerited favor, and peace with God. Now, primarily there's two Greek words. You're getting a lot of Greek this morning. There's primarily two Greek words that have to do with knowledge. One has to do with just knowing the facts, okay? And we've met people like that, haven't we? People who know about Jesus. Well, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. Yeah, he's the Messiah. And they say that he resurrected on Easter. They have the facts. That's the Greek word oida, okay? There's another word. It's called The Greek word "gnosko," so you have oida, which is just knowing facts. "Gnosko" is the word that has to do with experiential reality of those facts. Those facts have helped us experience him. It's just not knowing facts, but it's having that knowledge, and it has changed our lives. We have entered into it throughout this chapter. When he talks about the knowledge of Jesus Christ, he's not talking about oida, just knowing the facts about Jesus Christ, that won't change you. But gnosko, it has experientially changed you. You've entered into it. And that experience brings us grace, his unmerited favor, and peace with our Lord Jesus Christ. That was the second theological thought. The third theological thought, this knowledge brings about the availability of divine power. Notice what he says seeing that his divine power has granted to us. The Holy Spirit, when we have that experiential knowledge of God, the Holy Spirit is available to us and we now can live a life of godliness. It's there. The possibility is there where it was never there before. We now have the Holy Spirit. He's available to us. Now Paul writes in the Philippians chapter four, I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Jesus said to his his apostles in Acts chapter 1, wait in Jerusalem until you've received power from on high. So when we have this experiential knowledge, not just oida knowledge, but gnosco knowledge, we now have the Holy Spirit who's available for us. Fourth theological thought, all these have brought precious and magnificent promises. Notice what it says in verse 4. For by these. Whenever you see that, you think, what is these? What is he saying to? Well, normally you would look at just what appears just before it. These would be his glory and excellence. Yes, but I think what he's saying, for by these, everything that he said in the first three verses... For by everything that I have told you, for by these, you have, what does he say? Precious and magnificent promises. Hmm. What are some of those promises? I began thinking about it. Let's think about it. Through the righteousness of God, we have what? Forgiveness of our sins. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that's a pretty good thing for us. Some of us are really sinners. Huh. Forgiveness of our sins. Freedom from guilt from our sins. We now have peace with God. We're at peace with God. We're His sons, we're His daughters. We have the promise of the resurrection, and we also, along with that, the promise that we'll live with God in eternal bodies, sinless forever. I think that falls into line with precious and. Mag- those are pretty good promises, aren't they? Those come through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But notice the effect that it has. Notice the second half of verse four. So that, so that you may become partakers of the divine nature. What does that mean? We become God? No, that doesn't mean we become God. But the Bible says in 1 John that when we see him, we will be like him. What What are two of the qualities of God? One, he's without sin. And one day, one day, my dear friend, you will be without sin. Second quality, eternity. One day, you will live forever, forever. Then he goes on. And he says, you're partakers of divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world by lust. Now, that happened the first moment you were saved. Then all of a sudden, boom, if anybody in Christ What is it? New creation. You now began to separate yourself from the corruption in this world and that will continue on and then one day there'll be that final separation and you'll be totally separated from the corruption that's in the world. So that's his four thoughts. Four thoughts, okay? Now, beginning in verse five, he lists there's a second main, main thought here, is seven primary Christian virtues. Seven primary Christian virtues. Now, notice what he says. Now, for this reason, what reason? Everything that he's just said, he laid the base with those four theological thoughts. Now, because those are true, you need to add to your, their faith that comes through Jesus Christ these seven Christian virtues virtues. And you need to do it with all diligence, with all diligence, which means do your best, do your best to add to that faith that God has given you, that you have because of Jesus Christ. Now, you need to add these seven things. Do your best. Now, it says in James chapter 2 verse 14 it says what what good is it my brethren if a man says that he has faith and has not works can that kind of faith save him and the answer implied by the question is no why because he has oida faith <laughs> he just knows the facts He goes on later on in James chapter 2 and says, the demons even believe. They've got the facts, but demons aren't saved. Why? Because they don't have the experiential knowledge. When you have the experiential knowledge and you have opened your life to Christ, for the first time in your life, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You have the desire to give it your best through the power of the Holy Spirit to begin to add these things. your belief, your experiential knowledge of Jesus Christ, that's what he's saying okay, let's take a look at these, you might want to write these down, the first is moral excellence, that means believe it or not, being good it means you're a good person now Jesus was a good person, now he did a lot of good, he healed and preached and everything, but you know what He attracted sinners and all kinds of people to him. You know why? Because he was just a good person. He was good to be around. Are you that kind of person? Good to be around? Are you not argumentative and critical and negative? Let me read you uh, 2 Timothy 4. This is a great verse. 2 Timothy 2.24. The Lord's bondservant, that's the Lord's bondservants are sitting right here before me. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach. Patient went wrong with gentleness, correcting those in opposition. We're to be good. Be, people are supposed to be drawn to us because we're, we're pleasant, good people to be around. Okay, that's the first. Second, knowledge. Add to your moral excellence knowledge. This is spiritual knowledge. Not only from the Word of God, like we're doing scripture memory, we're to grow in our knowledge, but that knowledge is, is to be experiential. Not only with the, the practical Word of God, but with uh, the incarnate Word, with, with the person of Jesus Christ. We're to grow in the experiential knowledge of God. I don't know about you. When we began this year, we passed out these Bible reading plans. I, I hope some of you are continuing on. You're saying, well, Pastor Neil, that's kind of legalistic, you know? Uh, but I'm, I'm pressing my way through Jeremiah and Isaiah. These are long books. Right now, we're in Jeremiah and Isaiah. And, uh, but you know what? The reason I'm doing this is not legalism. I'm trying to learn the Word of God. I'm trying to grow in my knowledge of the Word of God. And there's a fellow here at the church. He's memorized the whole book of Mark, all 16 chapters. Now, if there's one guy in this church that kind of has a grasp, kind of got some handles, he's not not perfect, but has kind of some handles in the book of Mark, guess who it is? It's that fella. Was memorized all 16 chapters. Why? Because the word of God in our hearts keeps us from stumbling. Moral excellence, add knowledge. Knowledge, self-control. Self-control means having your passions under control. Having your passions under control. Now, he's not only talking about the body passions, but your interests. Having your interests under control control. What do you mean? Let me ask you a question. Is there something that you like to do, and I'm talking about sin, I'm not talking about, is there something you like to do that you could say, you know what? I don't have to do that anymore. Can you say that? Uh, I, don't, I, I'm, I'm, I can walk away from this. I don't have to do this anymore. Can you say that? Because if you can't, it's got you. You haven't got it. I'm not saying anything, whatever we're talking about, whether it's, you know, you fill in the blank, whatever it is. But do you have control over it? Could you walk away from it? Do you have self-control over your passions and your interests? Perseverance is the next one. That means to continue in the faith when you face opposition or to resist pressures from the world to conform to the worldly behavior rather than Christian behavior. Persevere. To continue when opposed or resist pressures from the world. Now, oftentimes I'll run into when people find out that I either go to Calvary Chapel or a member of Calvary. They'll tell me, oh yeah, when, years ago at the tent up in Costa Mesa, I, I was baptized by Pastor Chuck or somebody, you know, and you know, I got, you know. And then I'll ask them, I'll say, well, now where are you going to church now? Well, you know like they're not going to church. Now I'm not making fun of them because I haven't gone through it, and they often tell me, "Well, this pastor or this, this person, or I had this terrible thing, you know, they all, everybody's got a story about why they're not going to church anymore. Right? No matter how wonderful it was back in the '60s and the '70s, well, I'm not going anymore. And I'm not putting them down because I didn't go through what they, they've gone through. But can I tell you something? This is insight. This is deep insight. If you separate yourself from the visible body of Christ here on earth, there's a 99.9% chance you will stumble. If you learn anything from this this morning, remember this, my dear friends. You are part of the body of Christ. And the body of Christ will keep you if you persevere, it will keep you from stumbling. Going on. Godliness. Actually, this word should be translated piety. Now, piety has got kind of a bad rap. You know, we think, oh, you're pious. What does that mean? Kind of a bad rap. But actually, it means walking in the fear of the Lord. Walking in the fear of the Lord. Having attitude that says, are my thoughts in line with what would be pleasing to God? Hmm. That's convicting in itself. (laughs) Are my words in line with what would be pleasing to God? Are my thoughts and my words and my deeds the nature that would be pleasing to God? That's called being godly, pious. Next one. Add to godliness, brotherly kindness. This means a practical caring for others' needs. There's where we get the word Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. It's, it's, it's from the same Greek word. It means practically caring for what brothers' needs, sisters' needs. Then the last one's a little different. That's love, add to brotherly kindness, love. And this is slightly different, but what it means is having the highest good for others in mind. Now, you know, sometimes you have needs, but then there's a higher way of looking at it, which is sometimes is having the highest ideals for good in their lives, which sometimes means uh, uh, is slightly different from brotherly kindness, if you know what I mean. Sometimes you have to pull back and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. In this situation, they have this need, but maybe the best thing that I could do for them is not to meet that right now. So you have to, the final expression of this is agape love. Okay, so you have these seven primary Christian virtues that are to be added to your faith and you need to be diligent in applying them to your faith. Now, just look, take a look at verse 8. Because it's not just enough to have these like, oh, yeah, I did that eight years ago, Pastor Neil, whatever, you know. And notice what he says you have them and they're what? Increasing, increasing. So, not just to have it, you know, five years ago or two years ago. Oh, yeah, I went through the class. Yeah, I did that class, Neil. I'm moving on now. No, no, no. They are to be increasing. Now, ask yourself this question. Here's another question Am I more loving? this year than I was last year? Am I more persevering this year than I was six months ago? Have I got more self-control over my passions and my interests than I did four months ago? Six months ago? A year? That's the question you have to ask. Because it's not only that you have them, but they are increasing oh this is getting too convicting (laughs) (laughs) how does this take place you have to kind of understand there's three elements to how this practically takes place first is the power of the Holy Spirit I can do all things through Christ second is humility humility. You see, when you fail in one of these things, what happens to you, you have two responses, one positive one. You can get discouraged and, um, and just bummed out. Or you can get humbled and you can think, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, help me. And see, when you're humbled, what happens to you? You, you are open to the grace of of God. Very, very important, my friends. When you fail at these, get humbled, (laughs) because then, don't don't get discouraged, don't get uh, bummed out and go into a depression. Just let it humble you, because when you're humbled, (laughs) the grace of God is available to you, and the power of God is available to you. And what he will do when he takes your humbleness, miscarriage, his grace, and his power, he'll put you in situations where the next time you'll be a little bit more good. You'll have a little bit more experiential knowledge. You'll have a little bit more self-control when you're dealing with someone that's very troubling to you. Okay. Four theological thoughts, Seven primary virtues. Then he talks about the results thereof. The results thereof. Now, notice verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, we already talked about it, they will render to you neither useless or unfruitful. Do you want to be used by the Lord? Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be used by the Lord? Do you want to see the fruit of God's Spirit in your life? Do you want that? Then you need to have these things and have them increasing and growing in your life. Second result is found in verse 9. For he lacks these things. Here's the negative. We're like a spiritually blind person. We're acting like we're not even saved. Why is this? Notice the latter part of verse 9 having forgotten his purification from his former sins. This is so important. What do you mean? Let's pull back. Pull back into the Hebrew scriptures. What were our Hebrew friends told over and over and over and over again to remember? What were they told? Remember, remember, remember. Remember what? Remember the time that they were Delivered from Egypt. Isn't that true? Weren't they told over, don't forget, don't forget what God has done for you in delivering you from Egypt. What is that a picture of? Deliverance from sin. What was true for our Hebrew friends in Hebrew Scriptures is also true for us. You need to hold in your mind the day and what you've been delivered from. That needs to be primary because, you know what, after a while you think, you know what, I'm not too bad of a person, I'm kind of a No, you're not, you deserve nothing. You deserve hell. And God in his grace has delivered you. from. You need to hold that in your mind. That's you need to be centered. You need to... That's the base you keep coming back from. The base, man, because when you hold that and you see the power of God, having delivered you from the sins, and you deserve hell for that, you're beginning to move into a place (laughs) where you'll add all diligence to make these seven virtues part of your life. Then in verses 10 and 11, he makes a conclusion. Notice what he says. Therefore, he's making, after everything he said, here's his conclusion. Look what he says three parts this conclusion if we're diligent we'll make our calling and choosing sure now what he says if we're diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing of you we gain assurance of salvation we know that we're chosen how well do we have a burning in my bosom? Burning in my bosoms are okay, but that's just a feeling. How much more important is when we see the Lord using us and we see his fruit in our lives and we say, my heavens, Lord, the Lord is using me and I see the fruit of the spirit in my life. I know, I know that I'm his child. I know I'm his child. The second result. This is what we've been talking about all morning. If we're diligent, we'll never stumble. Now we're not talking about just, you know, never sinning. He's not talking about. It. He's talking about a disaster. <laughs> He's talking about a pause in our Christian life. He's talking about something like what happened with Jim and Tammy Baker, Jimmy Swagger or Ted Haggard, or any of those other people, famous people who have had terrible disasters in their lives. He's not talking about losing your salvation. What he's talking about is like something that happened to King David. You remember what happened to King David and Bathsheba and Uriah? He murdered him, had him murdered. You know, God forgave him, amen? David's gonna be in heaven, amen? But the disaster that happened to his family, here is the way out. That doesn't have to happen to you and it doesn't happen to have. To me. That's what he's saying. You do these things and be diligent. Have them in your life and increasing, you will never stumble. That's the word of God. That's what he's telling us. That doesn't have to happen to you. It doesn't happen to happen to me. Then finally, his final conclusion: if we're diligent. Our way into the kingdom will be abundantly supplied. What does that mean? Well, most of the commentators feel that what he's saying is we'll hear these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You'll hear those words from Jesus. You will hear those words. He'll speak to you those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you'll be able to say at the end of your life with Paul, I fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. And laid up for me now is what? The crown of righteousness, which the Lord himself will give to you, will give to me. Okay. Four theological thoughts, seven primary Christian verses, and the results thereof. If you'll do these things, you will never stumble it's a promise of God now next week we'll be looking at uh, the second half of chapter 2 and in that in verse 14 look with me just for a moment in closing he says I know that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent Peter's saying you know I'm, I'm getting to the end as a matter of fact now here look at this one how'd you like this As also the Lord Jesus has made it clear to me. (laughs) Somehow God said, you're a dead man. (laughs) You're, You're finishing up. Okay, how did he respond? Well, there's this story about an older gentleman. He's talking to some of the people around him. He says, you know, I've sure gotten old. I've sure gotten old. I've had two bypass surgeries, a hip replacement, Both my knees have been replaced. I've had prostate cancer and diabetes. I'm half blind. Can't hear anything quieter than a jet engine. I take a whole bunch of meds that make me dizzy, winded, and subject to blackouts. I can hardly feel my hands and feet. I've lost most of my friends and family. Sometimes I forget how old I am. But thank the good Lord, I still have my driver's license. doesn't say that he doesn't review you know as you get older you have it that's all we do is talk about all our ailments and all that guess what peter does he takes some time as he knows he's he's just finishing up to impart to them how to do this christian life it's really easy you put your faith in jesus christ and it'll save you it's not of good works It's just faith in Christ, in the resurrected Christ, that his death paid the penalty of free sin. Put your trust in that. And then put all diligence to add these things to your life and increasing. And if you'll do that, you will never stumble. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we don't want to have a disaster. We don't want to have a pause in our Christian life where we wonder, am I even a Christian? I'm so fruitless and useless. Lord, help us hear so clearly these final words of Peter as he gets ready to go into the kingdom to see you. Help us hear so clearly what the word of God is saying to us and then by the power of your Holy Spirit help us to be diligent to add these things to our life we pray In Jesus name, amen please stand with me this morning as is our continual habit here at Calvary Chapel we reserve the last few minutes before you leave uh, there'll be some folks up here to pray for you There'll be some men, ladies, pastors. If we can pray for you, take some time. Come down here. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ, or perhaps you've, you want to rededicate your life, perhaps you've had a time where you've been not walking with the Lord, this is your time. I want to give you an opportunity to come forward. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to give you an opportunity to say, to confess Jesus Christ publicly. If you've never done that and you would like to do that this morning, either to receive Christ first time or maybe open your life in a new and different way or maybe make a, a, a statement to everyone who's here that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and I'm going to walk with him. As Lauren closes us in prayer, I just want you to come forward. Lauren and Pete, close us in prayer. Come forward, meet me down here. I won't embarrass you. I want to pray for you, send you on your way. We have some information for you get you going here. If that's true for you and you'd like to experience that right now. Why don't you come forward as Lord and Pete help us with our closing song.